0: Today's reading is from John 17, um, verse one to five. After Jesus said this, he looked, in, uh, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hours come. Glorify your son, that your, your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have, brought glor- I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Uh, let's pray, shall we? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that we have a Savior who taught us how to pray. As we look at what Jesus prayed, help us to understand what he said and that we can also bring glory to you as Jesus brought you glory. In his name we pray, amen. I wonder what are you like when you achieved something extraordinary or made a significant contribution to a certain cause? Maybe it's in your company. Um, your, your company just made an epic sale thanks to you. Or maybe it's um, at your school orchestra, or your your school, or your local sports team. Uh, and you, you did something extraordinary that brought honor to your team, to your school, um, and you think you totally deserve a pay rise or a special honorary honor honorary mention. Um, if not a pay rise, then you know you want to be recognized, and maybe. You want an MVP award if you are the player of the day. Um, Are you someone who likes people to give you a pat on your back and say, well done? Who doesn't want to be publicly recognized? I know I do. I'm very vain. Uh, Who doesn't like to be praised? It makes you feel good, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know if you've been following the Rugby World Cup uh, do we have any South Africans here? No? I was going congr- to say congratulations to any South Africans. Uh, respect to you. It was hurting in, inside of me yesterday, but I was at the same time celebrating because it was just a good game, and especially seeing on the other side, the, the enemy side, has so many Christian players, which comforted me a lot. Uh, so, so I wonder if you, have you, when you, when you watch a sport, sports event on the TV, have you noticed something that the cameramen love to do? They they like to pan, pan in, pen, pen over to certain players and then zoom in to to show you what they are doing or their their expressions or or um, you know maybe they were swearing. You you call that? Uh, especially after someone who just scored a, a, a point or a try. They they love to focus on to that athlete or, or player. Uh, some players maintain their cool and just do a gentle fist pump like like Roger Federer. Uh, some players would go crazy and jump up and down like monkeys. And some players would give high fives to, to each other or point fingers to their teammates because of their assist uh, that enabled them to score that point. But there's a rare breed of athletes or or players who uh, who look up and point their fingers to to the sky. What's with that? Uh, That's a a bit of an odd behavior, isn't it? They trained so hard, they worked so hard, they scored, they won. They deserve to be praised, but they gave their credit to to the person above, to God. And by doing so, they pointed people who watched them playing. uh, They point people to someone above them, to someone whom they worship. But when we come to our passage today, we notice something immediately that's rather weird what jesus did was a bit weird in in this lord's prayer jesus first prayed for himself he asked the father to glorify him well, what's with that why does jesus want to be glorified now our first point eternal life is made possible by jesus glorified let's go over the verses uh, and break them down and to help us make sense of that. Uh, verse 1. If you still got your Bible, it's on page 1085. After Jesus said this, so immediately the Bible gives us a big clue. Just check the context. You know what, what did Jesus say before before that? So the passage begins with after Jesus said this. Uh, I'll just do a very quick kind of blurb. Before Jesus started praying this prayer, uh, from chapter 13 onwards, he was actually spending time with his friends, with his disciples, uh, eating, celebrating Passover, eating this Passover meal in, in the upper room. And Jesus used this perfect opportunity to talk about what will happen to him and to link up his death to his glorification. In some ways, when we say someone gets the glory, uh, that person is being spotlighted. And this is the same with Jesus. The difference, though, for Jesus is, you know, for him to be in the center of the spotlight means he was to, to be lifted up on the cross. And it's not quite glorious, if you think about it. He certainly is there. Jesus is there drawing people, drawing people's attention to him. But he's not up there getting any praise from people. Instead, he's up there falsely accused, beaten, humiliated, shamed for the sins of humankind. But the thing is, uh, as early as back in chapter three, Jesus had already told people, that he would be lifted up just like how Moses lift, lifted up the snake. And that, because of that, I'm going to tell you the story of the snake. Uh, but if you have time, do go home and read Numbers chapter tw- 21 to give you a bigger, bigger picture of the story. In short, the Israelites sinned, and the punishment of sin is death. And the means by which God used to punish them was deadly bites from the venomous snakes but god offered them salvation a way out he told moses to make a bronze snake and lift it up on, on the staff so anyone who has been bitten could be healed but only only if they would look up to the snake which was lifted up so jesus connected himself to to be being lifted up to his glorification. So does Jesus want people to see him glorified, to see him in the middle of the spotlight, to, to see him lifted up? And the answer is yes, he, he certainly does. But why? Jesus needs to be spotlighted so that everyone can see him, so that no one can deny that he has done it. He needs to be seen so that he an opportunity to, to look up to say yes, to choose life, and to be saved. So, still in verse one, this is a bit long, the first point, but we'll get shorter. Uh, verse one, the, the hour has come, glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. And this is not Jesus negotiating with God. This is not Jesus saying to God, do it, do it my way. Or, or Jesus saying, I, I will only do my part if you do your part, God. Uh, no, it, it's not that. I think Jesus was, was saying, this is it. I know, Jesus is saying, I know how and where God's plan unfolds. And this is, God's plan is through me. So, so do it, God. Carry out your plan. This is the time. I'm ready. And, and in doing so, this act of sacrifice, Jesus being lifted up to save lives, brings glory to God. Because it's not. Jesus is wanting that on his own, but it's according to God's plan. Verse 2, For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. You might ask, couldn't he just take his own power and authority back without having to die? Because Jesus, he is God after all. Why did Jesus need God to grant him authority? Why did Jesus need God to glorify him? Couldn't he just assume his position as the one with glory before the creation? In verse 5, you know, Jesus is the one with all authority. Again, I think Jesus has already given us the answers. He actually left many breadcrumbs left many clues for us elsewhere throughout the Gospel of John. In chapter 8, he said, in verse 50, I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. In verse 54, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. See, Jesus... Even though He Himself is God, He chose to be born and became like one of us. He's on the mission which involves suffering and eventually dying. If God can just zap away our sins and pretend that nothing has happened, then He's not a just God, because sins or wrongdoings need to be punished, otherwise there's no justice. But at the same time he is a loving God and he doesn't want people to just perish away in their sins therefore Jesus chose to to veil his power his authority and his glory he chose to die the death on the cross powerless so that he could truly take on the penalty for our sins in our place but then because he actually has that authority already. He just bailed it away. Uh, the glory he had was actually already his. And so when he asked God to glorify him with what he already had, it actually isn't inappropriate if you think about it. It's like if I have a supercar and I park it somewhere asking David to take care of the car for me while I go and blend in with this group of people. And then later on I said to David, can I have my my car back so I can, you know, go somewhere else and do this? And it's it's totally appropriate. It's not it's not weird to say. For Jesus to say, "Glorify me with my own glory," and with the power and authority reinvested to Jesus by by giving eternal life to all those God has given him. He brings glory back to God. Uh, Jump to verse 4. Jesus said he has already brought God glory by the completion of his work. His mission on earth is accomplished. And here, if you have a Bible tool, Bible dictionary, or or parallel Bibles, and and you check the verbs, they are actually all in, in, in past tense. So in Jesus's own word, and in, in Jesus' logic, he has actually already completed all the works he came to do on earth. And this is the bit I scratched my head so hard for, for a few, few days. Uh, the work he finished might sound like what Jesus had done uh, just before he started praying this prayer here. But, um, but that's, that's why it's important to to look at that past tense in the translation uh, this I think this is a little bit difficult to grasp because for us we we, th- we like to think linear but Jesus's emphasis was the end result because when he said his work was finished he meant everything that was to happen including his death and resurrection that has not yet happened at the time he was saying these things hopefully i'm not confusing you Uh, at this point of jesus praying this prayer he's still much alive uh, and still talking and still praying but to him when he said the hour has come he considered his mission is accomplished because everything is happening according to his plan him being glorified is a done deal so even though he's still alive at the time his mission is completed So to sum up our first point, Jesus prays that God would glorify him with the glory he actually already had. And Jesus glorified so that with his authority he might give people eternal life, which gives glory to God. Which leads us to our second point. Eternal life is made possible only by relationship. Let me ask you a question. If you were to die tonight, on a scale of 1 to 10, how sure are you that you'd go to heaven? Don't, don't answer me. Just, just answer in your own heart. Unlike, like many of you, I also grew up in a Christian family. I went to church all my life. I even took pride in the fact that even when my mates, who, who were busy and When exams were around the corner, uh, I took pride in, in me going to church still while they take their breaks and do studies and do homeworks. But one day, a friend asked me a couple of questions, and I couldn't quite answer those questions. So the first question he asked me was that question I just asked you. If you were to die tonight on a scale of 1 to 10, how sure are you that you're going to go to heaven? That's a simple question. I knew my Sunday school answers, which, of course, is Jesus. Uh, because Jesus, I can go to heaven. But, but in my mind, many, many other questions emerged. If I were to die tonight, where would I really be? Would I really be spending eternity with God? And I remember thinking to myself, am I even a Christian? Am I really a Christian? What does being a Christian even mean? I mean, I knew Jesus died for my sins so I can have eternal life. But I just couldn't give an honest answer to that question. And then that friend asked me a follow-up question. Suppose you are standing in front of heaven. Imagine, imagine God asks you, why should I let you in? How would you answer that? Maybe you love the church a lot. Maybe you love the songs we sing in the church a lot. Maybe you are so familiar with the Bible from cover to cover and you practically memorize the Bible. But does that, does any of that gives you eternal life? I love KFC so much. I grew up going to KFC and eating KFC restaurants all the time. I even used my, the money I earned on KFC If I tell you I know what's on the menu or maybe David, David could tell me he's on another level, way above me. He knows all the nutrient value of each item on the menu. Does that make you or does that make me a chicken? No, the same way I don't automatically become a Christian just because I grew up in a Christian family going to a Christian church Jesus says here in verse 3 now this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent eternal life is made possible through knowing God knowing Jesus now this is a very important statement Jesus made here it he summed up other statements Jesus said about coming to a relationship with him, about knowing God and knowing Jesus himself. Uh, Right from the first chapter of the Gospel of John, the author told us that no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him, made God known. And back to to our chapter, chapter 17, verse 3. Jesus refers to himself as Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. And this is the only place in the Bible where Jesus used this compound name, Jesus Christ, on himself. Usually, he just says, he's the son of man. He's, well, he's Jesus, whom God sent. But Jesus Christ, this is the only use that, uh, in the Bible. And the way he used is very significant. When when Jesus said that name, I'm I'm fairly certain he would say that um, in Aramaic. He would say Yeshua, Messiah, or Yeshua, the Messiah, which means the anointed one. So Jesus, Yeshua, Jesus means Yahweh saves. So Jesus refers to his role as a savior who saves people from their sins. And then Christ, which is the Greek word for Messiah, the anointed one. So Christ refers to him being the one anointed by the Holy Spirit, the one with power and authority. So Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, refers to his divine authority and power to save. When he mentions Jesus Christ and God together, side by side, Jesus is revealing that he himself is God. He's saying he is equal to God. He didn't say, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and this grand piano which you placed here. Are you following me? Uh, knowing God and something or someone else cannot give us eternal life. And it doesn't make sense as, as well to put them side by side with God. So if you know Jesus Christ, you know God. And if you know God, you know Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. So let me take you on a quick journey back in time on our on-screen time machine uh, to look at some of the things Jesus said about himself to help us make better sense of this verse. Uh, John chapter 16 verse 15 all that belongs to the father is mine that is why i said the spirit will receive uh, from me what he will make known to you so whatever the holy spirit makes known to you about jesus knowing those things equals knowing god in chapter 6 verse 3 they will do such things that that, that's um, hating you putting you out of synagogues or, or even kill you so these things uh, they'll do those things because they have not known the father or me so jesus again is equating himself to god the father uh, chapter 15 verse 21 they will treat you this way because of my name for they do not know the one who sent me And verse 23 whoever hates me hates my father as well and john Chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Then Philip asked him, Lord, show us the Father. Verse 9. Jesus answered, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And going back further in time, Chapter 12, Jesus says, the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. Because chapter 10, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Uh, John chapter chapter 8, I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they all all those who disliked jesus asked jesus where is your father jesus replied you do not know me or my father because if you knew me you would know my father also if god were your father you would love me for i have come here from god i have not come on my own god sent me i think traveling too fast through time gives us time sickness so i'll just give you one one last stop Uh, back to the beginning of gospel of john chapter 1 verse 12 yet to all who did receive him that's jesus to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of god did you ever make your own decision to receive jesus to believe in him and thus become a child of God or do you only know about him you know your Bible so well you know a lot about him but you never had a relationship with him back to chapter 17 verse 3 now this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent People want to be glorified so that they could be recognized by others, so that they would feel good or feel important. Jesus asked God to glorify him so that he could die the death on the cross. Jesus asked God to glorify him so that through him, we could know God and and Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. And have eternal life jesus asked god to glorify him because he has already completed his saving work and brought glory to god now that we've seen jesus in the center of the spotlight being glorified what is your response would you acknowledge him as your lord and savior so that you can know so that you can know Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. And through Jesus, know God and have eternal life. And for for us who have eternal life already, in what ways have we been robbing God's glory? And in what ways can we seek to glorify God in all that we do so that we could point people to God and bring glory to God? Let's have a moment of quiet, then I'll close us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ whom you glorified so that by knowing him we get to know you and be called your children and have eternal life help us as we continue to live our lives for you whatever you have entrusted us to do help us so that we can bring you glory by being faithful and diligent in whatever we do and help us Help us to, uh, in doing our tasks and and in living our lives, help us to point people to you. um, That others might also come to acknowledge you and Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.